Luke chapter 13. I'll look at a passage that, even though you read the Bible, I think that uh, uh, it's one of those passages that we just tend to forget about. We tend to not think about. But Jesus has given such a vital uh, truth for us here. Luke chapter 13. Chapter 13 of Luke. Something that we need to remember, especially in, the, in light of modern American preaching, I think is something that we need to get reminded of uh, again. Luke chapter 13, are you there? Almost there? Right about there? It says, And there were present at that season some of the, that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent... Ye shall all likewise perish. He spoke also of a parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And said he unto his dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Father, I pray that you'll give us an understanding of something that'll help us today. Open your word, reveal it to us, open your truth, let us see it, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Interesting what Jesus is dealing with here, because we like to think as Christians that if you live right, you do right, you act right, you do all the right things, that your life is going to be blessed, that you're going to be shielded and protected and, and, and that bad things won't happen to you. But if that you live bad and you do bad and you act wrong and you, you're a sinner, then, you know, the tower's gonna fall on your head. A meteor's gonna hit you. Bad things are gonna happen to you. And, you know, we, we've heard so many stories of things like that where people have been protected and they say it's because they're a righteous person that God has protected them. And Jesus is dealing with two tragedies here that are kind of interesting. One of them is man-made, where these particular Galileans, and, and I'll, I'll mention that there's really no historical account of what he's talking about here. This is obviously something that was on the news, you know, that, that night when they turned on the news, they they heard about the tower falling and these Galileans being killed. It was something that they understood because they were living it. But we don't have the details beyond that. But what Jesus was pointing out, number one was a man-made situation where these Galileans were slaughtered by Pilate, which is typical for Pilate. He was kind of a nasty old fella. He wasn't a real nice guy. And another situation where you have an, uh, what appears to be some kind of a natural disaster, whether it was caused by an earthquake or whether the tower was built wrong, I don't know, it just fell and 18 people died. And we see that happen. And Jesus brings a parable to them. He brings a, a fact, a lesson to them. And he says, do you think that these Galileans died 
because they were sinners beyond all the rest of the Galileans. What about the, the hundreds of thousands of other Galileans? Why didn't the tower fall on them? Jesus was trying to make a point to them. He said, no, that has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. He said, did Pilate slaughter these people because they were worse than anyone else? He said, no. In fact, he says, you're in the same situation. Now, I know I get all wound up. I heard about last night that I'm too loud and I shouldn't yell so much. (laughs) You're used to me yelling and slobbering and spitting. You know, other people aren't. (laughs) What? It was kind of telling when the deaf guy come up to me and he said, I like you, I can hear you. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Serious, he did. <laughs> we as Christians, especially in the last 30 or 40 years, have been taught that if you have enough faith and you do right, you live right, all these things will bypass you. You won't have those kind of tragedies in your life. Now, Jesus could have dealt with the wise, you know, because that's what's always going to happen. When a tragedy happens, a tower falls down and kills 18 of your friends. What's the first thing you're going to ask? Why? Why did that happen? Why did God let that happen? Jesus didn't deal with the why. He said, you deal, you know, I'm not going to deal with that. What I want you to understand is tragedy happens. We live in a world that is full of tragedy and blessing. Yes. That's what I. Is it wrong to say that I guess we, we wake up gambling which way it's going to go that day? I mean, in a sense, kind of. <laughs> is it going to be a day of no, normalcy or is it going to be a day of tragedy or is it going to be a day of, of extra blessing? We really don't know. But we do know that that's where we live. Now, we know that God does protect his people. A lot of times it happens when when you hear about these storms that hit in in Louisiana or wherever they happen to hit, and there's always stories about a particular church where the storm came through, fires around here. We've even heard stories where the fire burned through an area and went right around a particular house or a particular church or whatever. And you say, see, God was protecting those people. And I believe he was. But what about the other Christians that was next door and their house burned down? Or the other church that burned down? What about the storm that wiped out the the other church or the other Christians' homes? And the simple fact is, we can't have, we, we don't know the depth of God's mind, what he's doing. He said, my ways are so far above your ways. When you think about your little grandchild down on the, on the floor crawling around looking for something to stick in his mouth, and you try to explain to him, well, I got to go to work this week, and then we got a doctor's appointment on Thursday, and you need to remember, you know, we need to get the oil changed in the car. He doesn't care. He's looking for a cracker that somebody dropped and he wants to put it in his mouth. That's all he cares about at that point. Because at that point in their life, our thoughts are so far above his thoughts, he can't even conceive of what we're talking about. God has this whole thing in his plan and sometimes tragedy happens. I never did understand 
my Aunt Nancy Hedrick, and you, some of you know the Hedricks, but Nancy was one of the most special people to me. She was the closest thing to a mother that I had uh, in my younger years. She was probably the only genuine Christian influence in my life uh, after my grandmother died. And she kind of took me under, my, uh, under her wing when I went to the army. She was the one person that wrote me letters. She, was, she would write me letters. She would kept, keep track. She was just so special. And she spent so much of her time transporting people from Colville to Sacred Heart for cancer treatments. She would take people all week long to make sure that they got their tra- cancer treatments. That was just where her heart was. And then she was diagnosed with cancer. And she died just, you know, months later. And you think, what? Why would such a wonderful, precious, godly woman die at, I believe she was 42 years old when she died of this cancer. And you say, God, I don't understand. And God says, right here, tragedy happens. It is part of our life. You can get up today and find out you know, that they, they struck well on the back part of your property and you are all of a sudden Jed Clampett. You know, you have, you have it all. You are rich beyond all measure. Or you could wake up and find out that a dear family member died or something horrible has happened. It's part of our life. Jesus goes on and he says, except you repent, you shall all likewise, likewise perish. What is he saying? The tower fell on those people, and if I don't repent, the tower's going to fall on me? That's not what he's saying. He's saying the ultimate end of all people is exactly the same. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're intelligent, not intelligent, educated, ignorant. None of that matters. doesn't matter if you're good-looking or whether you're ugly. The, uh, the ultimate end is exactly the same. Don't tell me which one I am in that. <laughs> Just leave that out. <laughs> the ultimate end of this whole thing is the same. Jesus is saying, except you repent. It doesn't matter if you were the 18 that, that the tower fell on, or you were the hundreds of thousands the tower didn't fall on. Except you repent, the ultimate end is the same. Everything in this life boils down to this test that we have, that says whether we submit our hearts and our lives to God or whether we don't. That's the test. Do you know you live in a test? You really do. You live in a test. From the moment you're born, it's a test. And I heard a lot of preachers, the preachers love to latch on to natural disasters. And you remember years ago they had those horrible fires in Malibu. And I heard several preachers talking about how uh, those fires in Malibu happened because that was a pornography headquarters of America. That's where most most of the porn came out of, Malibu. And so that's why God was burning the place. And then you hear about the witchcraft in Louisiana, and that's why the storms hit Louisiana. Well, Oklahoma is like one of the biggest Bible Belt areas in the the country, one of the most conservative states in the country. And what happens when a tornado wipes out a town down there? How, How does that work? Is God only bringing natural disaster because of sin? No, it happens. You can be in the middle of it. Was Jesus warning if you don't repent, a meteor's going to hit you? No, probably not. I mean, he could. I don't know. But Jesus took a different road. It's not about escaping tragedy, but rather being spiritually prepared for tragedy. 
See, it, it hurts us. It messes us up when we get it in our mind. If I live right, I will avoid tragedy. That messes us up. Because then when it happens, we're shell-shocked. We're stuck. We're, we're messed up. Because we thought, if I had enough faith, and I live right, and I do the right things, and I transport people to, to, to Spokane for cancer treatments, and I treat everybody, then these things won't happen to me. And God says, you have no such promise. You have no such promise. God sends rain on the just and the unjust. And see, we struggle with that sometimes because we look at sinners and we don't understand why they're so blooming blessed. <laughs> why do they have so much? David lamented that and he said, why are the evil always so prosperous? While well, he was hiding in a cave. <laughs> and he said, why? I'm the one trying to live godly. Why am I in a cave? Have you ever asked that? I have. I have when I looked at my checkbook and there was a negative sign in front of me and I'm like, God, I paid my tithes. We go to church. We do all we're supposed to do. Why are we struggling just to pay a light bill, God? Why is that? I don't get it. I don't understand because Joe Blow over there is a walking devil and he has everything he wants. And if he touches it, turns to gold. If I touch it, it turns to, to mud. Why is that? I don't get it. You know what? After all these years, I still don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. But I do know this. God says that's exactly how it's going to be in this life. And when we build ourselves up and think, if I live holy and righteous and everything's going to go right, we're going to take a hard, nasty fall when things don't go right. But if we're going to be prepared for this thing to happen in our life, we have to understand, it's not in my hands, it's in God's hands. Amen. And whether good happens or bad happens, when something great happens and, 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 and all of a sudden you, you, know, you, you win a car in a, in a sweepstakes, <laughs> praise God, thank you Lord, until the tax bill comes. But until then, thank God, <laughs> praise the Lord, God did me great and wonderful things. We are a blessed people. Your joy in your life isn't by focusing on the tragedy in your life. The joy in your life is by focusing on the blessings in your life. Because there will be enough of both that you can keep your mind occupied if you wanted to. Did you hear that? There's enough tragedy in your life that you can be miserable if you want. There is enough blessing in your life that you can be joyful and happy if you want. A lot of it is where you focus your mind. Where do you spend your time? What do you look at? What do you think about? When somebody betrays you, that's the hardest thing in the world because your mind gets so occupied by that betrayal, by that wrong that they did. They stole something from you or they lied about you or they stabbed you in the back and it occupies your mind and pretty soon your day is ruined because of that. You get up in the morning and things are going good and all of a sudden your husband or your wife says something nasty to you or snaps at you and all of a sudden 23 more hours of that day goes down the tubes. It's shot out the window right there because of that incident. And we allow these things in our life to control our thinking and control our minds and Jesus is saying, folks, this is going to happen. It's part of your life. And then he goes on and says, but there's a spiritual application here you need to understand. He said there's a, 
owner of a vineyard here. And he has this one fig tree. And that fig tree won't produce fruit. Now there's a difference between living life day in and day out, just living your life, and the judgment of God coming down. Because there is a thing called the judgment of God. And so he goes out there and he says, here's this fig tree. It's for three years. I have been coming out here and expecting my fig tree to do something. And this fig tree has done absolutely nothing. Rip it up and burn it. And then Jesus steps in. The, the wine dresser, the, the, vine dresser the, the, the gardener, and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me have another chance to work on this one. Did Jesus ever work on you? And he said, don't quite wipe this one out yet. Let me have another year. Let me toil that soil. Let me me fertilize this this tree a little bit. And then after a year, if it's not producing fruit, go ahead and wipe it out. Well, maybe not quite that bad. But But see, that's where... There's a difference between our life, just living your life. You can get in a car wreck on your way home, and you can say, what, is God being mean to me? Is God judging me? No, you got in a car wreck. That's what it is. It happens. It's part of your life. But judgment from God is a different story. And a lot of people, my my brother's one of them, he says, America's in judgment. God's hand of judgment is on America. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I believe that America is heading towards judgment. But when judgment comes, there will be no doubt. You look through Scripture at nations that were under judgment. It wasn't just a bad economic situation. It wasn't just, it was serious. We're talking about God's hand of judgment comes down on a nation. There's no doubt there's judgment. If God's hand of judgment comes down on you, you'll know. You'll know. There won't be a doubt in the world that there's judgment. You know where we're at right now? God is pruning you and I. And He is toiling, He's working that soil to bring us to the point where we're bearing proper fruit or we're doing what, what we're supposed to do and, and, and producing that fruit. And by the grace and love of God, Jesus Christ prepares us and makes us ready to meet the Father. Now I want you to understand what He's trying to tell us here. You're not going to have, you're not going to have a life devoid of tragedy. My mother-in-law just lost husband number three. One of the most godly, holy women I've ever known in my life. And she just lost her third husband. Tragedy happens. Tragedy happens. What do you do in the midst of that tragedy? What do you do when you're in the midst of... Do you say, God, why have you put me here? God, why did you do this to me? Jesus said, I'm not even going to deal with the why. I'm going to tell you how to get through it. You need to understand that's where you are. So how do you deal with tragedy when it comes? You hurt, and you cry, and you are a human, and you struggle, and you battle, and all those things, and you get stronger, and the calluses get a little deeper, and you, and you, you buck up, and you're, you might have your shoulders droop just a little bit more than they did before, and your, and your walk may not be quite as quick as it used to be, because you just went through something so heavy, and so strong, and so powerful that it, it threatened to crush you, but you come through on the other side because you say, tragedy is part of this life, but I believe in my God, and I will come through on the other side. 
My God will be through, will be with me. This idea that I've heard from pulpits that, you know, when tragedy happens, you just, you just come through and shout the, the victory right through it. Well, good luck with that. We are humans. And when tragedy happens, we cry. And we hurt. And we struggle. And you say, well, it's just not right to have a crisis of faith. Well, John the Baptist had a crisis of faith. One of the most holy men that ever lived had a crisis of faith. The very one who was down at the river when Jesus walked down and he said, Behold, the Son of God. And he baptized him. But yet later when he's in prison, he calls one of his disciples and he said, Would you go ask him if he's really the one that we're looking for? John the Baptist had a crisis of faith. And so what did Jesus do when they got there? He berated John for his crisis of faith. No, he didn't. He said, that's one of the most godly men ever. That man over there who's struggling in his faith right now is a powerful man of God. God knows you're going to struggle in your faith, folks. You're going to struggle in your faith. That's what makes it stronger. If you never struggled in your faith, you would be the weakest Christian on the earth. You wouldn't be worth a nickel for the kingdom of God if you never had a crisis of faith. But that crisis of faith, that struggle, that battle is what makes you stronger and makes you able to get by on the other side. When you're in the midst of that tragedy and you, and you say, I feel so crushed, but inside of, of it all, in the midst of that, you say, God, I'm just holding on. I, I feel like I'm on a fingertip right now just holding on, God, but I'm going to hold on because you are my king and I will not let go. You know what? He won't let go of you. He's holding you the whole time. He's got you in, the, in his hand. He said, you can hold on all you want to, but I got you. You're not falling. You're not going to fall. You might feel like you're going to fall, but you're not going to fall. When we face those tragedies, we got to quit thinking that it's something that we did or didn't do. It is part of our life. It is part of what we go through. When we face that situation, we have to quit trying to be a super Christian and jump into a phone booth and put on the, you know, the Superman suit. We don't have a Superman suit as a child of God. We are just people who are living that life and holding on in the midst of that tragedy, in the midst of that situation. I tell you this, you say, well, this is kind of a bummer of a message. I'm telling you this because you need it. I need it. Because there will be tragedy. If we come back on November 20th of 2017, people here will have faced horrible tragedies during this year. It'll happen. Some of us may not be here a year from now. Some of our family won't be here a year from now. Some of us will be in accidents. We'll have bad doctor's reports. You can go down the list. It will happen. So what do we do? We stand and we hold. And what do the ones who are not going through tragedy at that time do? They surround them by the love of God. Because next week, you're going to need it. Or the week after, you're going to need it. That's why we have a family of God. We have a family of God because we lift up one another in the midst of that tragedy. We love them when they're going through it, and they love us when we're going through it. And that's what brings strength to all of us. Would you stand with me, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, I look to you because right now there are people here who are dealing with various levels of tragedy. A sister who is barely holding on to life because of a 
horrible disease. Friends that, that are, are given short times to live, Lord. People whose children or grandchildren don't know you, have rejected you and rebelled against you and don't care anything about you. Loved ones and friends, Lord, who are busy shooting up drugs into their, into their bodies that are destroying them physically and spiritually and emotionally. There are levels of tragedy happening all around us. But God, in the midst of all that, there are so many blessings. We are such a blessed people. We are so blessed. God, help us to focus on the blessing more than the tragedy. But Lord, in the midst of that tragedy, help us to realize that it came not because of something we've done. It's because we are human beings living on this earth. And I pray for those. I pray for those across this congregation right now who are in the midst of that. Lord, I look to, the, to you and on their behalf because, Lord, there are people here that are hurting deep, Lord, because somebody they love with all their heart may be taken from them. Lord, I pray for them right now. I pray for them. I pray for them right now, God. I pray that the peace of God that passes all understanding will come upon them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Touch them. God, I pray that your peace will fall on them, Lord. I pray that they'll realize that as much as it doesn't make sense, it's in your hands. I pray for those, God, who are struggling because they personally received a bad report from a doctor and it could be so bad for them. But Lord, I pray that right now peace will come upon them. That peace that comes only by the hand of God will come upon them in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, for each one. I ask, God, that you will help us to recognize that you are in charge, that you have it in your hands, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are tilling the ground. You are working the ground to make us productive for you. Hallelujah.